0: It is the APC podcast from AcmePackingCompany.com and SB Nation, part of Vox Media, and uh, training camp-ish, something like that is upon us, and so there's uh, players on the field, and they're moving around, and people are trying to peek through a tarp in a fence to see what they're doing, And uh, but it's happening, and we are here to talk about it. I am Zach Rapport, dialing it in from Albuquerque, New Mexico, and I am joined today co-piloting this rickety ship a special guest justice Mosqueda on twitter at Jewmosk. thanks for joining me man how you doing
1: i'm doing solid it's been very hot i don't know if you're getting it in uh new mexico i'm sure you are but the heat wave out here on the west coast in portland it's been pretty brutal the past couple of days so outside of that been fine just a lot of sweating yeah i'm fine i'm just i'm just wet
0: <laughs> it's uh marinating we call it marinating uh <laughs> Uh, yeah, it's, I mean, it's hot here. It's the desert, but it's also very dry and I assume it's very humid where you are.
1: Yes. Yeah. (laughs) That's an understatement. The whole
0: like stereotype of like, oh, it's a dry heat. Like, no, I moved here and it's true. It doesn't feel as bad. Also when it's like a hundred degrees and you're in the desert, you're not like, I'm not going to go hang out outside at like 1230 in the afternoon. Oh no, No, you guys
1: are the reason for AC. Yeah, no, you guys, you guys got this thing figured out at least you guys can have like shade though right that's the thing with like dry heat it's like you can actually have shade and like not be burning hot or it's like it's humid the air is hot
0: right no no air. yeah no shade works it's a thing that works yeah <laughs> you like you're walking around on the street and then you get under a tree and you're like oh i feel 10 degrees cooler that's how that's supposed to work whereas i mean i'm sure it's like this out there but i grew up in milwaukee and it was yeah like there's no there's no hiding from the humidity it's like you walk outside and someone just throws like a hot wet blanket at you basically yeah,
1: it's not it's not great. <laughs> so that's what I've been dealing with. But outside of that, pretty fun. Excited for football. Maybe coming back at least for a few weeks. Maybe. So yeah, at least pro, pro football.
0: <laughs> right. Yeah. What's your uh, over under on my, <laughs> how long this is gonna last? Man,
1: like three weeks. But I don't know how hard the NFL is just gonna say, "Hey, we need these checks." Yeah. So,
0: no. Fuck it. We're just. <laughs>
1: they, I thought baseball was gonna be three weeks too, but baseball just keeps going. Mm-hmm. They're like, "Hey." The Cardinals aren't playing. That's fine. We don't need the Cardinals to fulfill these uh, television contracts right here. Yep. So we're not really worried about them.
0: <laughs> oh, man. Well, I don't know. I, uh, let's just get right into it, I guess. I kind of thought, um, you know, like I mentioned at the top, players are, uh, you know, in their uniforms. They're running around. They're, do We think they're doing things that, you know, fans can't really be there. Some of them are trying to, like peek through the fence and we're getting like some glimpses. I got to be honest. I teared up a little bit seeing some of these glimpses because it's like the first, I know it's like putting people at risk, but it is kind of the first um, little glimpse of normalcy that we've had in, in such a long time. Um, but so I thought we would just kind of like talk generally about some of these players, some of what we think um, we might see developing here with the Packers in the next couple weeks as they get set to kick off the season. And um Thank you, Justice, for joining me. I wanted to start with um, the wide receivers, because obviously many fans were not happy this offseason, not a newsflash, with how the Packers did or did not address the wide receiver. Um, So we've kind of ridden that, uh, ridden those takes to the ground, Um, but we haven't had you on in a long time, Justice, and the team is practicing again. Pads are on, players are, you know talking into microphones on zoom. Um, so I guess I wanted to like check in with you justice on today, August 19th, sort of how you feel about the wide receiver situation in green Bay. Are you more like now that things are happening and like, Oh, everyone loves Lazard. Maybe it'll be okay. Or are you, where do you fall on the spectrum of like optimistic versus pessimistic? I mean, they
1: went 13 and three last year with the same wide receiver core, basically. Um, I still think their, their biggest issue is still just going to be speed receiver. Cause I mean, Devontae can get open, but he's not necessarily like a a guy teams have to plan to take the top off the defense. Yeah. For. So I don't know what's happening with you know MVS and his playing time at this point. Um, Camaro's getting getting snaps in the red zone, and I know Irvin did a lot of stuff, especially late in the year at wide receiver slash running back, whatever you want to call that. I mean, he was kind of like a jet guy too, just kind of gets the ball in his hands, and he's a, he's a faster guy. But I don't anticipate, at least for the reporting right now, like. I didn't think that he was going to be, you know, like a starting wide receiver. But then you hear stuff where it's like, yeah, Aaron Rodgers, like he liked uh, Lazard two years ago. That's how he felt about Equinamia St. Brown this past year. And, you know, who knows what happens after, you know, he comes back from injury. So maybe maybe there's something that's going to happen there, but that's always going to be the issue.
0: Yeah. Well, you mentioned speed and you mentioned injury. Um, MVS down the stretch last year, I felt like, uh, left fans a little disappointed in terms of like, he's supposed to be the burner. And I don't know if Aaron Rodgers was overthrowing him all the time or what, but like to my untrained eye, and I'm gonna ask your opinion on this to my untrained eye. It seemed like, um, I don't know if he was working through an injury or something. He just seemed to be not as, uh, if nothing else, not as confident in his speed, and so it slowed him down. Uh, did you observe that at all? What do you think happened to MVS, and do you think he can provide some of that uh, speed this year that you said was missing?
1: Maybe. I mean, he was definitely a guy who it seemed like maybe doghouse isn't the right term because we're talking about a player, but kind of seemed like it was in uh, he was in Aaron Rodgers' doghouse just because it seemed like they were not on the same page for whatever reason. Yeah. You know, be that you know he's running the wrong routes, he's not. Or he's supposed to be when on freelancing plays. It just seemed like the chemistry wasn't necessarily there. So
0: Yeah. Doghouse. Huh? Well, what can we say? Timeout? <laughs> Was he on timeout? What can we say instead of doghouse? Shitless. list. We'll yeah, call it the shitless. I don't know. I'm not sure. Um, all right. Well, I'll, let's move on to the um the tight end position is uh I should have like a rim shot sounder. It's kind of like a running joke on the pot, like my love of the tight end position. Um, but I saw you on Twitter making some comments about our guy Big Bob Tanyan. and uh, I my wanted, man. I wanted to hear it straight from you. You know, like is that is that sarcasm? Are you joking? Are you actually no? Excited? He's
1: really athletic, and I, he was like a hundred or two hundred and twenty pounds yes. when he was in college, and now he's bulking up, and I think he's going to be able to get some of these snaps. You know, they were in a weird spot where basically, like, all right, so Jimmy Graham couldn't block. Right, I don't think I'm being unfair by saying that. Yeah, hold on. And then, <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, when they had the, their two tight end formations, they would basically have Tanya on the field because he was a talented pass catcher. And you know, Mercedes is basically a unbalanced right tackle at this point, which that's fine. That's a role that you can play at the NFL level, and he's been doing it very well for like a decade. Uh, but he is who he is. So I think, in terms of a full, well-rounded tight end, like developing Tanya is probably your best option at this point because i know people i mean they just drafted uh i messed up his name in our uh little little uh pre-game talk duguara
0: yeah. yeah i mean he's not a
1: why right like there's there's a big difference between types of tight ends he's a he's a weak side tight end who's going to be a very good pass catcher and give you snaps in um the backfield right like yeah. that's who he is and that's a perfectly fine player like uh, Greg Olson, for example, was a weak side defender or a weak side tight end. And he, you know, made a living off of that and that's fine, but you have to have that Ed Dixon next to Greg Olson to do some of these run plays. And that's basically who, you know, Mercedes Lewis or whoever replaces Mercedes Lewis is going to have to be. If he does take over as that premier tight end, he's not going to be George Kittle. He's going to be, you know, Greg Olson at his peak. Yeah. That, that's what his potential is. Yeah. So,
0: All right, man. I'm excited about, uh, Someone else hopping on the big bob hype train. Uh let it be known.
1: I've been here for like three off seasons. I've been here. I've been give him snaps, give Lazard snaps, give Camaro snaps. I don't Camaro I, not so much panned out when he actually did it, but he blocks his ass off in the red zone and they they keep him in there, especially with those like two back sets and everything that they do. They just keep Camaro in because he just blocks his ass off in the Lazard.
0: I've been on the hype train too. I mean, I don't uh I don't know how you establish full credit, but I'm pretty sure I came up with the nickname Big Bob Tanya. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that was me. <laughs> so uh, I've, uh, yeah, I've
1: seen that. There's someone on Twitter with uh, Big Blob Tanya. Oh That's yeah, his, he's yeah,
0: yeah. Name too. He's a yeah, he's a funny guy. We interact sometimes. I w- I want to stop real quickly and just do a little football 101. If you could break down something real simple, you talked about um, with the tight end position, like the why versus the weak side. Um, tight end could you like give a quick sort of uh, football 101 for anyone out there who doesn't know what you're talking about
1: yeah so why usually so when you see formations like on a diagram right in h or potentially u or w depending on what offenses you're looking at are usually tight ends that are off the ball like not on the line of scrimmage and then y's are the guys on the line of scrimmage which are more like traditional i'm gonna block a gap Within where I line up, type of guys right. where H, Ws and U's are guys who kind of move around. Those are guys who like slice across the formation for you know a backside block on zone or something like that, or are able to move behind the line of scrimmage and like play action on like boot plays and stuff. And usually you see them on the same side as like the X receiver, which like usually is Devonte Adams in the Packers offense. So X receiver is usually the wide receiver on the line of scrimmage. Z is the guy off, obviously that only assumes that there's two wide receivers on the field. So that's might be like old West coast line of thinking, but that's kind of where that originates. So wiser, you know, the Rob Gronkowski's, the George Kittles where like the, the H's are, you know, Greg Olson, a guy paired with like an Ed Dixon or, um, this probably doesn't hold up, but it's probably the best example of it is like a guy like Aaron Hernandez or something like that. Like those move tight ends. Yeah. Um, Jordan Reed probably counts as like one of those guys too. Um, paired with like a Vernon Davis who's very much a Y so just kind of think of it like that
0: gotcha so they the packers pick um a guy like Jay Sternberger to be a y?
1: Mm-hmm. yeah i mean that's basically what his job is so we'll, we'll see how he pans out um he's off the uh, injured list right He was, yep. Yep. He, had, he was on like the covid list for whatever reason covid free mm-hmm. good good for him him and up uh, mason man the mason one hit me hard yeah i knew you know everything that him and his wife and his whole family had gone through i was really praying for them to be okay but it seems like they're okay now thankfully
0: totally and uh the same thing when i when that that brief time where matt stafford was on the list as well it's just like moments like that just put everything in relief where you're like geez man this is you know it's real life real life shit going on yeah um well that's very informative on the tight ends on a similar note though um sort of transitioning in general, it seems like the Packers are kind of like stocking up on like interesting athletes for lack of a uh, more technical term, like to be able to, I guess, more accurately execute Lafleur's vision, I guess. I don't know. So a guy like Deguara, who we mentioned, you know, taking Dylan in the second, John Lovett in the mix at fullback. We just talked about Tanya and, and Sternberger. Um how different do you think that this year is going to look on offense and I guess like how optimistic are you if at all about you know how the offense is going to perform
1: So I think a lot of teams right now are realizing like a lot of the good teams live in 11 personnel stuff right but a lot of teams don't have the quarterback who can do it every down from the gun and as flashy as Aaron Rodgers is in terms of like his peak plays and like what you have to defend I'm not necessarily sure, he's, like, an efficiency monster the same way, like, a a Drew Brees would be, Right, but, like, those two things are different, where you're just, like, if we pass every play, can we still keep moving the sticks, right? Um, And the teams that aren't able to do that, I mean, I think Cleveland's a really good example of that. They tried to do that last year, and then they realized, you know, Baker's not a guy who can just throw the ball 40 times a game. Like, he's just not that guy, and there's nothing wrong with that, but you can make plays and also not be like a guy who's so efficient that he needs to touch the ball 40 plays with like, uh, basically, uh, unchecked. Right. I guess that's the best term. So teams that aren't, um, comfortable with that type of situation, I think are going back to, you know, 12 and 21 personnel. And the numbers are, uh, the first number, is running backs on the field, second number is tight end. So it's, you know, basically a two wide receiver offense. And I think, you know, we're transitioning to that, be be it, you know, the Shanahan offense or, you know, Sean McVay, you know, that whole group that's doing that. And I mean, John Gruden's been living with that his entire career. So I think we're transitioning to that. I wouldn't be surprised if Green Bay started doing that more. And we even saw him do like gun split back stuff, which like I, I don't think McCarthy ever ran that at all in Green Bay.
0: Yeah, no, totally. It's a totally different era. But in terms of like uh, possible success, though, you do you you see it working out, or you're just saying like that you see the trend happening, more teams are becoming hip to it, and you don't really want to put a stake in the ground as to whether or not you think the Packers are going to be any good at it. Um,
1: I guess the big thing for me would still come back to speed at wide receiver. Yeah. Like if you have two wide receivers, it's Devontae Adams and Allen Lazard. If Devontae Adams is the fastest dude on the field, that's not necessarily a good thing, as talented as he is. Yeah. Or like uh, you look at, let me look, uh, Rams, right? Like they have a guy like Brandon Cooks who can take up the top off the defense. So guys like uh, Robert Woods or Cooper Cup, who's essentially a tight end, um, can get open in the lower region. So I'm not sure how that necessarily works. But at the same time, I mean, New Orleans is kind of doing some of that stuff too. And Michael Thomas isn't the fastest guy in the world and he's getting, you know, a hundred catches, like it's nothing.
0: Yeah. All right. I want to uh, switch sides and talk a little bit about uh, the defense. Um, our old buddy, Blake Martinez, I think um, most fans kind of, kind of shrugged when the a Packers- million dollar man. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Again, can't tell if you're being sarcastic. No, um, a lot of fans, <laughs> you know, shrugged when the Packers moved on from Blake Martinez, like, you know, Ho hum. I like Martinez, but you know if they can, they can figure it out. How do you feel about the inside linebacker position? Do you think fans are actually gonna like uh, grow to to miss Martinez as the season goes on, or do you think like Kirksey can get it done, or or Burks, or or how do you feel about the inside?
1: I think Burks, or I think um Kirksey is gonna do fine. The big question for me is like, I still kind of question what Mike Pettine's vision is. Like, it's kind of like a chicken or the egg thing where it's like okay, do you play dime because you don't have linebackers or do you not play linebackers because you want to be in dime? Like, do you not invest in linebackers because you want to be in dime? And Burks was always a guy who worried me dating back to his days in Vanderbilt. Like, you could watch him against Alabama and he shuts down a wheel route like it's nothing and then you watch him in the run game. He's getting pushed 15 yards back and that's just not something that you could be doing at an SEC level and then assume that you're going to be able to do that better at the NFL level. So I was never super optimistic about him outside of being a coverage guy i mean maybe playing like a joe thomas type role um and getting involved in special teams but i still wonder like how many inside linebacker reps is like adrian amos gonna play and stuff like that um in terms of alignment not necessarily like i'm a line i'm an inside linebacker now just his alignment um but i mean they were doing a bunch of that and then uh who was it goodson was that like 98 yeah i'm pretty sure um when he was on the field last year i mean he couldn't cover a damn thing and when Blake Martinez is your most athletic linebacker, you're going to end up with problems. But I think I think Kirk- going to do fine replacing Blake Martinez. The problem is they got one linebacker when they probably should have gotten two. And now yeah. we're, where do we go from here? Are we moving Adrian Amos out of position and having him take on guards again? Like there's there's a lot of film from what was it the first game? What? Was it the first game of the year uh, against the uh, Bears? Yes. I can't remember if that was the first game of the year, I but believe it was. yeah, man, he's got a hundred pound disadvantage against some of these guards and he's taking them head on head. So those are kind of things where like, Hey, you can draw it up and it's X's and O's, but Hey man, if the O is a hundred pounds heavier than the X, that's not really a one on one matchup that you could assume he's going to win. He's yeah. going to get pushed three yards off the ball and there's going to be a gap created because of that. So
0: I don't, uh, I don't know if it's a scheme thing in terms of, you know, how the Packers, uh use inside linebackers or value them i'm i'm i think it's actually like in the team dna it's like part of the company handbook for the last like i don't know 30 years you come to green Bay as a defensive coach and like page two of the handbook is like, we don't give a crap about inside linebackers. I, I forget how old you are, but like, who's the last impact player that you have seen for the Packers at inside linebacker? Like true. dude, impact. It's
1: like Nick Barnett and Desmond Bishop. Yep. Like those are the best linebackers, Packers linebackers I've ever seen.
0: Yeah. <sighs> yeah. That's another running joke on the pod. So, um, keeping it on the defensive side. Um, the Packers, all right, this is like, I know this is going to be a sticking point for you. The Packers drafted uh, Rashawn Gary, 12th overall in 2019. And I remember that we had you sure on. Did. We had you on after, and um, you didn't hold back. I mean, you've been critical of this pick from the start. And of course, you fast forward to today, um, and we're getting some of those typical like training camp trope stories like, oh, Gary looks leaner, Gary looks stronger, he's more confident. Um, is there any hope do you have any hope or like how good would he have to be for you to like reverse course on your stance on on this pick uh um yeah so
1: there's always a chance i mean there there are guys who improve at the nfl level like eric armstead was not as good in college or in his early years in san francisco as he is now and that's basically all because of development and he kind of has the same type of arc where you know he was a five-star recruit he kind of underperformed at the college level someone drafted him high and then eventually he ended up developing into a quality player um so i wouldn't be surprised if gary ended up being fine but i mean the my biggest thing was always the investment into gary and then assuming um that the investment was going to be worth it because if you have to wait till year three of gary to really turn on and then you already have two better pass rushers right. on the edge right. and you drafted him at number 12
0: a mid first round, right? the, yeah. dr- the
1: draft. Yeah. The draft value doesn't necessarily make sense there. Like even if he does end up being like an okay guy. Right. Um, so I'm not totally sure what he would have to do to kind of reverse course on that. But I will say about preseason stuff, man, we do this every year. <laughs> we do this every year on the little hype trade stuff. So I- I'm going to wait until actual games, um, Not to say, you know, he's going to, maybe he is really good, but I'm just not going to trust training camp tweets to uh, change my mind on that one.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's funny. Like, this is obviously a very unorthodox year. We've not seen anything like it. uh, uh, I mean, from a reality perspective, but also just from a football perspective, the offseason, getting into training camp, it's all, all of it is different, but. The more things change, the more they stay the same. And we still have some of these the same tropes kind of kind of rear their heads. Um, speaking of you know the more things change the more they stay the same. is there are there any uh, players that we haven't mentioned yet, maybe like a bubble guy or otherwise that you're sort of interested in that you have your eye on or like you're quietly rooting for in camp?
1: Nishman is still on the team, right? The Virginia Tech tackle?
0: Oh yeah. What Josh Nyman? Is that how you? Say? I forget. Uh,
1: I can't, I, can't, I just assumed it was Nijman, but as I think it's N i j m a n.
0: I think I heard Wes uh, Wes Hod say Nyman, so I'm gonna trust him on that.
1: But yeah, I mean, he is really athletic, and I think if he puts it together, um, he could be like a starting level uh, offensive tackle in the league. Which you know they don't make very many of those guys, especially that play offensive line. Usually they go defensive line. Um, but I remember watching him at Virginia Tech and I was like, this guy's just athletic as hell. And if he can kind of clean up his game a little bit, I think, you know, that's the type of guy where you can get an incredible um, level of production out of a guy who you basically got for free. And they've had him on the practice squad for, I think, two years.
0: I think that's right. Yep, that's right. Um, but when you compare that to a guy like an Alex Light, where
1: you're basically just kind of hoping, hey, man, if he has to play we need to get like a game out of him and then we'll sign the street free agent or we'll move Billy Turner to right tackle or whatever you need to do. Yeah. Um, so I think, yeah, I mean, I think he can be a, a quality offensive tackle. I haven't been as optimistic of a guy who is coming off, uh, kind of like backup offensive tackles, I guess you would say since probably Villanueva and for, for Pittsburgh and then, uh, Tynasecki. Um, who played for Washington off the bench when uh, uh, Morgan and uh, Trent Williams were there together. And then he ended up taking a contract with the Bills, and he's fighting for spots right now. But those there's really very few backup offensive linemen who really have the quality of athleticism to really be considered a future starter, and I think he's probably one of the few.
0: Yeah, man. Developing and fielding consistently a good offensive line is so hard and so many teams are so, so bad at it for years and years for like a decade. Are the Packers just lucky? Like what are they doing differently? I feel like the worst that I've seen their offensive line has been like fine, not great, but fine. And that's the worst. And then there's just like every, some of these teams have just been train wrecks for a decade, man.
1: Yeah, no, uh, my buddy Charles McDonald has to go watch the New
0: York jets every day. So, so, rough we, we talk about
1: that often but yeah um they do do stuff that is different like i will say like the level of athleticism that they attempt to target is much different than the league average and they also look after uh specific guys like that all their guards for the most part are guys who played bookend in college so like they could play multiple spots which helps for the development right because if you're going to make a roster and you make a roster as a guard um Teams carry, what, eight offensive linemen? So there's not even backups for every spot, right? So if you're going to be a guard, you basically have to be a guy who's going to play tackle um, if you're going to be a developmental guy because they're not just going to say, hey, you're a developmental guard. Also, we need a backup guard in case someone actually has to play this year, right? So those are guys who end up on practice squads, but they target a level of athleticism that is extremely high. And uh, to be honest, like that level of athleticism on average – Yields much higher than the NFL average for draft picks, um, for offensive linemen in general. But the way that they do it, too, where they stack the board on guys who are very versatile if they are going to come off the bench. Like a guy like David Bakhtiari, right, was considered to be a uh, center prospect coming out of college. But he played left tackle, and then they just let him play and compete in camp. And they end up with a bunch of athletic, um, malleable offensive tackles who are basically fighting for for spots, all across the, the line of scrimmage, so I think that's probably the best way to go about it, and I think that's why they have so much success with offensive line compared to the rest of the league.
0: Yeah, and that sounds like that must be a carryover from Thompson, which was maybe a carryover mm-hmm. from from Wolf. And so I guess uh, speaking of that, and like the kinds of players that the team is going after, you know, you you were big on sort of uh, trying to quantify the Thompson fit over the course of Ted Thompson's tenure. You know, we're two drafts into to Goody. Um, offensive line has been consistently, you know, high, high achievers. Are there other ways in which you think maybe Goody is, uh, departing from, from the Thompson fit sort of in the, in the types of players that they're looking for, or maybe some of their, uh, thresholds as you call them. Uh,
1: so I will say like Jair, right? Like Thompson probably wouldn't not have dropped Jair.
0: Yeah.
1: I mean, the smallest Dude he ever drafted, I think, was uh Randall Cobb. I'm pretty sure that was right. Um and really at, at cornerback, I mean, they were looking almost exclusively at guys who were like five, ten and a half or taller. Right. So I mean, a Jair was the big one where it was like, oh, Goot might be different than, than Thompson, but for the most part, he's kind of sticking to it. I've joked that you know he's he's spicy, Ted. But it's <laughs> like he's basically doing the same thing, but he'll vary away from it you know, every once in a while and make exceptions like you did with Jair.
0: <laughs> Spicy Ted. He's Ted Curry. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh man. Um, I also, I wanted to get your opinion, uh, changing topics a little bit. Um, our buddy Archon wrote a, a piece for Acme Packing Company. Um, I encourage everyone to go check it out up at the blog, acmepackingcompany.com. The title of the piece is Resigning Aaron Jones should not be a priority for the Packers. um, and so, like, aside from the usual uh, running backs don't matter narrative, he goes in um, and comments on like the cap crunch that's coming, sort of league wide next year. Um, other important decisions like Bakhtiari, Devontae Adams. He also mentions um, in his eyes spending too much capital on a guy like AJ Dillon. Um, that's kind of like the Cliff's Notes. Um, I still encourage everyone to go read it. But um, with all that in mind, do you agree then with sort of that thesis statement? Resigning Aaron Jones should not be a priority for the Packers.
1: Yeah, and I'd be really nervous to pay most people right now if I were an NFL team.
0: Just based on the cap stuff?
1: The cap is going to be insane. So basically what you want to know is the the cap versus what it was projected to be in 2021, it is going to hit the minimum just off of um, fans not being uh, allowed in the stadiums. It is probably going to be you know, $170 million, which is $40 million less than what was expected. And, you know, when a lot of these contracts were signed and if players, so if players don't get their full guarantees this year off of game checks, because the league doesn't play enough games, those guarantees are going to get pushed in the future year. So it's going to be even harder to move, um, move contracts down the line than what was expected. So you're going to get into a spot where it's harder to get contracts off the books um there's less money than you would have assumed and then at the same time that 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 70 170 million dollars that the NFLPA and the nfl agreed as the minimum was they're gonna hit that just off of not having fans if they're not having games on top of not having fans that 170 million dollars as the cap basically floor which is what they're gonna hit based off of revenues might last a couple years because it's not going to go back up until they basically have made up for the hole that 2020 is going to bring. Yeah. Right. So that is one of the biggest issues too, that I don't think people necessarily understand where it's like if, so for example, right? Like uh, the Alex Smith contract is a very hard thing for the, the uh, almost said a slur, the Washington (laughs) football team uh, can move away from, right? If there's only six NFL games this year, Alex Smith is going to be guaranteed 10 game checks yep. in 2021 just because of that. So like, those are the type of issues that we're going to, we're going to get where they're going to be guaranteed 10 weeks of Alex Smith game contracts on top of the fact that their salary cap is going to drop 40 million based off of what they expected when he even signed that contract in the
0: first place. Oof. And, uh, yeah, am I mean, happy for Alex Smith. That's a, that's a mess over there. Yeah. Good
1: for him. <laughs> good for his agent. I mean, he, busted his leg he deserves every dollar that that he can get but it's still a tough thing
0: cap wise it's funny because like washington really needed at this very moment they needed a feel-good story and that is a great feel-good story but it costs them so much money at a time when like no one can afford it
1: yeah he threw like he's gonna get like uh i think i did the math on it he was gonna get basically a quarter million dollars for every pass that he threw Cause I'll he's going to get 90 million off of that,
0: that contract. Sounds like a good deal, man. It's a good agent. <laughs> yeah. Oh man. Um, all right, well let's move on. And, uh, we put out uh, a note on Twitter at the APC pod on Twitter. I'm at Zach Rapport and you are at Jew mosque justice. And, um, just sort of asking for people's questions said we were going to have justice on and, and let's, let's pick some brains. And uh, so we got some questions in, and I'll start with a tweet coming in from uh, someone I interact with uh, quite a bit on the pod uh, Twitter account, whose (laughs) handle is impronounceable, at LLSS1985. He writes in and he asks, given how rare it is that a QB taken outside of the second half of the first round turns out to be any good, Aren't people getting carried away about the prospect of Love being the imminent successor to Rodgers? Statistically, the vast majority of quarterbacks outside of the top 10 are so so rarely, um, outside of the top 10 or so, rarely seem to stick. Even Mariota and Winston are no longer starters. It seems to be more likely that we will have more of a Jimmy G situation at best than Love actually taking over from 12. Uh, Justice, I want to get your opinion on that because... Uh, all this air apparent talk um does feel a little bit premature, right? In that uh, they need they need love to be really good first, right? <laughs> that has to happen.
1: Yeah, but I mean, this is the same Packers team that drafted Brian Braun but then didn't play him, right? I mean, yeah. I, I don't think that they would necessarily be afraid to move away from a guy if he's not ready to play, but at the same time you've seen Rogers the the QB two has had to play the past couple of years, and yep. then at the same time like it is a hell of an indictment on Kunst and Matt LaFleur if they're going to have you know, maybe three years with this guy and he's not going to be ready by year four. Right. That, that would be a huge deal. So that would almost be reflective on their ability to evaluate players and or coach up players. Yeah, so, it's definitely like, a, I think like to, an
0: all-in, like chips on the table kind of pick.
1: Right. And hey, look, Aaron Rodgers' contract, same thing as Alex Smith. He still has guarantees on it, so. Um, If we're talking about how hard it would be to move away from Alex Smith's contract if, you know, there's only six games or something, it's the same thing for Aaron Rodgers. Like those guarantees would push another year, um, which would basically line up exactly with Jordan Love's rookie contract. The other thing that I think is interesting where you guys talked about uh, Jimmy Garoppolo, one of the big things with the Jimmy Garoppolo trade, I don't know if people remember this or not, is, uh, you know, they had the same agent. So it was kind of hard to trade Jimmy Garoppolo. Without letting you know Tom Brady know or yep. vice versa, right? So it's kind of hard to deal with that stuff when when they have the same agent and Aaron Rodgers and Jordan Love work with the same agency. So I don't know oh, how that's I didn't know that. With, yep. Oh man. Yep. yep. A lot of stuff happens like that. I think uh, we looked at it one time with uh, the work that I do when we were consulting with someone, and I think twenty five percent of backup quarterbacks have the same agency or agent as the starters. It's so like last year there were guys like uh, Bortles was Goff's backup. They had the same agency, I think, maybe even same agent. That stuff happens where you know guys get stacked a lot more than people realize. I think.
0: Huh, man, that's interesting. Yeah, I, I want to go back real quick. You mentioned uh, you know QB two in Green Bay, probably going to see the field at some point. I've heard some some beat writer takes. You know, Jordan Love, no preseason, no preseason reps. Um, kind of an unorthodox preseason. Maybe Boyle is actually the number two. Uh, uh, is that is that just hogwash or or what?
1: I mean, we'll see. But do they want to get into it? I mean, you got to think about every decision that the NFL operates on the idea of job security first and then like what actually is best for the team second. I think people need to realize that too. Like I know there's a specific linebacker coach at the NFL level who is known for basically rallying for athletic linebackers who are very raw in the free draft process because his default is, if I can coach him up, I get credit for it. If I can't, it's the scouting staff's fault, right? So it's like, he he can never really be wrong. He's just rolling with free money. And do the Packers really want to get into a spot where it's like, hey, Boyle might be good, and maybe we should give him the reins instead of Jordan Love, the guy we just spent a first-round pick on? Probably not.
0: Probably not.
1: (laughs) Yeah. So I'd be pretty surprised to see him even get that opportunity. And when you look at guys who are, you know, undrafted free agents or whatever, um, it's usually to to, to really get a, a spot. Basically, like you have to miss on a draft evaluation and then also have an injury at the position. Right. Right. Like that's how an Adam Thielen happens. That's how a Tony Romo happens. Those guys weren't given opportunities until it was like three years in. And it was like, well, this guy's been around for a long time and he's the guy who's you know, in the building. So I guess we got to give him a shot yep. and then they run with it. So I, I think it would take a lot for Tim Boyle to get a shot. It might take two injuries for him to get a shot.
0: <laughs> yeah, uh, I agree with that. All right, man. Expectations.
1: Got... It's a thing in the NFL. <laughs> uh,
0: we've got two. Uh, I'm going to do a, two more questions, some fun ones to, to wrap up uh, here with you, Justice. The first one coming in, uh, from our buddy John Mierdink who who asks, what's your weirdest football take that you will defend no matter what? And I want to go first um, because it's only weird, quote-unquote, because more people don't agree. But uh, the rule where if you're going in for the score and you fumble into the end zone and the ball goes out of bounds there and you don't maintain possession, it's a turnover, that rule to me makes total sense. Everyone hates that rule, but I will tie on this hill. I 100% think um, that it's a totally fine, sensical rule. And if nothing else, I feel like um, there would be a laundry list of other rules that I'd change or tweak before that one. So that's like my my weird thing. that like every It happens like once every two years and everyone freaks out and I'm like, I'm just in the corner like, makes sense to me. <laughs>
1: No, I I, got my buddy, uh, Patrick Claybon who works for NFL Network every time it happens because he (laughs) hates it so much. And uh, Chuck and I defend it to to our death. I think uh, my hottest take would probably be like the other thing, too, about that. Right. Like, hey, penalties and stuff like that aren't necessarily just at the NFL level. Right. right? Where it's like quarterbacks get bailed out of bad passes on on pass interference all the time. Like that seems unjust to me.
0: Yeah.
1: Right. But no one cares about that. Um, my hottest take, we should throw field goals, (laughs) throw field goals. And we throw field goals with someone who hasn't thrown a pass on that drive. And that's how we develop backup quarterbacks with just (laughs) hoses. We get rid of all the clipboard holders and every backup quarterback just has an absolute hose.
0: So you got, so for like, it's like a 50 yard field goal and you're back there and it's like the same formation, but it's just someone back there ready to throw.
1: You could just leave him back there by himself. If you want to. <laughs> like I've never free, thought of the rush. Like a free yeah, shot. Just let him rip it. And then you're in field goal range much closer, like much, much further away. Oh man. More points. Field possession matters less. It'll incentivize fourth downs, et cetera. Way more.
0: All right, everybody, please direct your feedback on that one at Juma. <laughs> <That's weird. laughs> uh, one last, uh, one last fun question here um, coming in from Glenn. And he says, um okay, you can bring back one deleted menu item from Taco Bell, uh, but you have to cut one Packer Starter. What is the one menu item and what is the player? I don't know about that. <laughs> I don't know about
1: that. Uh one. the uh the Fritos burrito. Oh man First and foremost. My second option would have been potato tacos. They got rid of both of those like in this last wave of cuts. And I've been absolutely crushed.
0: Oh man. Uh
1: because of it. And then uh Packer Starter, it's Billy Turner. Yeah. Do, we, do we get the cap the cap there's no cap implications for this either <laughs> he didn't that specify. Might be a net positive that's a net positive if we get rid of him
0: you so. know he didn't specify but i'll allow it it's yeah we'll go cap implications
1: yeah two birds one stone uh
0: my favorite um billy turns a good, i might have to steal that one but uh, in terms of the menu item i don't think so i've always um Love the cheesy gordita crunch. It's not actually on the menu anymore, right? They'll still make it for you, but it's not on the menu. Is that right?
1: I'm not sure. I'm staying away from
0: that. I don't know. I haven't been in a Taco Bell uh, in like a decade. and I'm, I'm sure my body <laughs> thanks me for that. <laughs> You live in New Mexico, too. Oh, yeah, so it's what's, true. What's even the point? Uh, Why would you? Man, people are in Taco Bell here, and I just want to like walk in the door and be like, what are you doing, man? What are you doing? But new Mexican food, which is obviously very prevalent here, is very different from whatever the hell Taco Bell is. And that's no slander on Taco Bell because I do like it. But anyway, my body does not really like it. I think um, on that lovely note, I'm going to hit this goofy polka and um, we're going to call it a show, man. Justice, thank you so much for for joining, piloting this rickety ship, talking a little bit of ball, making us uh, a little wiser, bringing some... Some smiles to our faces. You got any parting words for our Packers fans? Any words of uh, optimism? I don't know. What do you got?
1: (laughs) Uh, Wear a mask.
0: Wear a damn mask, people. And with that, we're going to get another bad iTunes review. Wear a mask, people. Just do it. If you want to watch more than three games of football this year, (laughs) for no other reason, also protect your grandparents. Come on. Come on, people. All right. Thank you to Justice at Jumask on Twitter. I am Zach Rapport at Zach Rapport on Twitter. Follow the show at the APC pod. If you want to send us hate mail, the APC podcast at gmail.com. And uh, yeah, training camp is here. Things allegedly are happening. There's some pictures. There's new rules about what, uh, what beat writers can and can't say about what's happening on the field. But I hear stuff is happening and soon enough. Um, we'll have a team and we'll have some games and we will be here every step of the way with you guys as we try to make it one game at a time through a COVID era NFL season. Keep it locked into Acme for all your Packers needs. And with that, yeah, go pack. Go see you guys later.